Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, world. I am Reverend Agent O. Robinson II, a.k.a. Rev. Rob, and this is Deeper in the Word, the show where we give you the real about Scripture with people who actually know and understand it so that you can get a better grasp of what certain things in the Bible mean, how they relate to your life and experience, and how you can apply something written so long ago to what you're going through right now. And today's episode, my friends, is entitled The Separated Ones. The Separated Ones. And we're talking about the topic of biblical separation. So, of course, the first question is, what is biblical separation? What you talking about, Willis? Because basically the question is, how is biblical separation different from, say, regular separation? If there is such a thing, because in our world today, the word separation, when applied to how we deal with the rest of society, has often been interpreted from a racial standpoint or a cultural standpoint. In other words, when you say separation, the first thing that people associate with that word is blacks versus whites or poor versus rich. Basically saying these groups shouldn't intermingle with each other or that they don't mix such that they should live separately. And that is not what we're talking about here. Hence the word biblical. So when we talk about biblical separation, we're talking about the people of God being separated from everybody else. In fact, the very definition of the word church gives us our purpose and incentive for being separated from the rest of the world. And as many of you know, the New Testament uses a single Greek word that we translate church as ecclesia. And Strong's Concordance excuse me, defines this word as an assembly or congregation, the whole body of Christian believers. And in total, that word is used 114 times in the New Testament. Now, the word ekklesia is actually made up of two different Greek words. Ek, or ek, which means out, from, and to, and kalo, K-A-L-E-O, which means to call. In other words, the word literally means the called out, or when applied specifically to Jesus' church, the called out of the world and to Jesus. That's us. So the idea of biblical separation is founded in the definition of what the church is, which is the recognition that God has called believers out of the world and into a personal and shared wholesomeness in the midst of sinful cultures all around them. Now, why would that be the case? Why is that important? Because we're living in a time when the idea of human connectedness is the rule of the day. That is, where people seek to be joined or linked together. I mean, think about it. Between cell phones, video chats, Zoom, and other online platforms, we're always connected with those around us. Now more than ever. Even people halfway around the world. And like we just said, the idea of racial or cultural separation is indeed wrong. 
because being separated on such grounds or even advocating for such separation not only doesn't advance humanity, but it goes against everything that God stands for. Listen, if you think God wants people not to associate with each other based on differences in skin color or differences in social or cultural status, you need to re-examine what you think you know about God. Like God doesn't favor neo-Nazi groups or other groups which advocate for the separation of races. God ain't with that. And our world today dictates that we all need to have tolerance and acceptance and openness towards one another and that we all must be inclusive. And again, to a large extent, this is very true. The idea being that we're all human. So we all need to be connected on a human level because as humans, we all must exist cooperatively. And as such, you see a concentrated effort in the world today to bring everyone together under the same umbrella, that we're all one world, one society. However, the idea that God doesn't favor humanity being connected in that way is nuanced. You're like, why you say that, Rev? Because being connected to those you love and to those who need you, that's one thing. But there's another kind of connectedness that is not so good. And that's when you're connected to people and elements that run contrary to your walk with Christ. The reality is that God did not call his people to be inclusive, but more so to be exclusive, meaning that we, as his children and as followers of his son, are called to be vastly different from the world around us. But what we see happening today is elements of the world and the church melding together so that there is little distinction between them anymore. That is what we mean by biblical separation and what separates it from that other definition of being separated. The idea that God still expects his people to be different and he still expects us to stand apart from the world around us. Now, let's not get it twisted. Biblical separation does not require followers of Christ not to have any contact with unbelievers. Like the example that Jesus set before us, we should befriend the sinner without partaking of their sin. In other words, we live in the world, but we're not supposed to act like the rest of the world. As Jesus himself puts it, his followers, as his followers, us, we're supposed to be the light to the world without allowing the world to diminish our light. Make sense? Look how he put it in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16 about acting differently than the rest of the world. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. The truth is, biblical separation is one of the foundational doctrines for Christian living and ministry, which is absolutely essential to, to the walk of every follower of Christ. And when a person becomes a believer, they are transported out of one world 
and into another that's completely different. And in this way, traveling or shuttling back and forth between the two worlds is absolutely unacceptable. So when you join the church and you begin to follow Christ, if you're truly following him and if you truly have identified with him, then you need to give up the trifling and sinful ways that you used to have. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 and 16 that, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And in this text, Peter was quoting from Leviticus chapter 11, verses 45 and 46. The Hebrew word for holy essentially meant to be set apart or separated from that which is impure. Therefore, the concept of biblical separation is essential in the bigger picture of what it means to be holy or the principle of holiness. In other words, believers have been called to be holy in our lives even as our Heavenly Father is holy. And that requires us to live a separated life. Now, coming up next, we want to get more in depth into this idea of biblical separation and look at some actual verses which clearly spell out what this type of separation looks like. So come on back and dive on into that discussion with us after we come back from the break. At Benevolent Faith Ministries, we're a virtual church with a real heart for God. Visit us on the web today at benevolentfaithministries.org and learn more about becoming a member, participating in our giving partnerships, and learning how you can be the church without the need of any building. That's benevolentfaithministries.org. Log on today. Hey, welcome back to Deeper in the Word. As a reminder, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Overcast, on Apple Podcasts, in the iTunes Store, and iHeartRadio. Also, don't forget to email us at info at benevolentfaithministries.org to send us your questions and comments for the show. I mean, if, if, how are we going to know what y'all want to hear about if we don't hear from y'all? Amen? And remember, we want you to join us every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific Time for our online church services. Just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church and create a screen nickname so you can chat along with us during the service. And also, for our international members... That service is every Wednesday night, uh, and you can. it's going to be at, I believe, 7 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Eastern, wherever you are in the world. So please look out for our Facebook posts that will let you know what time that Wednesday night service airs internationally for your region. Amen. Also, check out our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and enter Benevolent Faith Ministries in a search box. You can see all of our videos, including past Bible studies and past online services and previously aired episodes of our former TV show on the Now Network, which leads me to this announcement that I'm very excited to make. 
And that's that starting Wednesday, March 17th, 2021, Benevolent Faith Ministries is back on television with a brand new show on a brand new network, the Daily Gospel Network. Now, the new show airs every Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. Central, 11.30 a.m. Pacific Time, starting Wednesday, March 17th. It's still called Walk in the Word with Benevolent Faith Ministries, but we're on a new network at a new time. And all you have to do to watch is go to dailygospelnetwork.tv. Again, that's dailygospelnetwork.tv every Wednesday. Or you can watch us on Apple TV, Roku TV, and Amazon Fire TV. So look for more announcements on that coming up soon. And we are extremely excited to be back on the airwaves, the television airwaves. Amen. But today, friends, today's show is entitled The Separated Ones. The Separated Ones. And we're discussing the concept of biblical separation. Or rather, what it means to be unlike the rest of the world when you're trying to live like Jesus. And in our last segment, we defined what biblical separation is from what the rest of the world considers separation. And in doing so, we hinted at a few verses which outline this ideology. So now, we want to get more specific regarding what the Word of God has to say about biblical separation. Well, the concept itself is found in and throughout God's illustrious Word. And as we discussed in our first segment, biblical separation is in fact a practical outworking of being holy. And many passages of Scripture back up this idea. But let's just look at a few of them here. For instance, look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 1, verse 1, right at the beginning. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Notice how that's from the New International Version, by the way. Notice how this verse outlines three negatives. Go to Psalm 1-1, look. Three negatives. Walking not in step with the wicked, not standing in the way that sinners take, and not sitting in the company of people who mock or scorn God. Those are all considered highly worldly behaviors and actions. So in essence, God has promised blessing for those who get out of the world, or summarized properly, those who engage in separation from the world. Now, check what Romans chapter 12 verse two says, which might be arguably the most famous scripture verse when it comes to the idea of biblical separation. Romans chapter 12, verse two. Again, I'm reading from the New International Version. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, the idea is to not allow the world to shape our thoughts, values, philosophies, morals, entertainment, or lifestyle. Again, Separation from the world is clearly the viewpoint here. Not being like everybody else already is. Remember, we're the called out ones, the ecclesia. And if there is one area of life where followers of Christ are most often in violation of New Testament commands, it's in allowing themselves to be conformed to this world. Now, next, 
Note what 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17 says. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. Once again, here is a New Testament imperative, a command. These are our orders from headquarters, if you will. The word the in the immediate context refers to unbelievers. I'm sorry, the word them refers to unbelievers because unbelievers make up the substance of the world system. See how it says, therefore come out from them and be separate? That refers to unbelievers. They make up the substance of the world system and take further notice that it is the Lord himself who gave this command. So basically, we are directly commanded by our Lord himself to be separate from the world and all its impurity. Now, and again, I'm still reading from the NIV. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, which says, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, Love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Once again, we find a clear directive to distance ourselves from the world. When Christian people have problems, not so much in loving the world itself, it's when they do love the things of the world. That's when the problem comes. It's not loving the world. It's loving the things of the world. And those things often are the entertainments of the world, the musics of the world, and the cool factors of the world. So as we've seen, the principles and mandates of separation are clearly and forcefully set forth in Scripture. Separation from the world, therefore, becomes an issue of obedience to Christ. In other words, God has clearly ordered us to separate ourselves from everything and anything that is not like him or that he ain't cool with. Our duty is to obey that commandment. Now, coming up in our final segment, we want to look at a specific instance in the Bible where a disciple of Christ called out a church for their inability to come out of the world, or rather, for their inability to stop being so worldly, even though they were supposed to be following Christ. And in doing so, we're going to see the example which our churches today should not follow. (laughs) So come back and find out what that's all about after the break. Are you looking to complete a home purchase? Whether you're a buyer or a seller, Meister Home Inspections, or MHI, offers professional and accurate home inspection services throughout the Northeast Atlanta area that provide home buyers and sellers, as well as their agents, with the information they need to successfully complete any home purchase. Visit their website at mhihomeinspection.com, that's mhihomeinspection.com to learn more, or to set up your home inspection appointment today. Diamond Cup Building Maintenance is a privately owned business that provides a wide range of janitorial, floor care, and handyman services for all size commercial businesses. 
Our services also include deep clean and disinfectant cleaning, which kill harmful germs, including the coronavirus. Our team has over two decades of experience, so we can provide the highest quality of services to our customers. This is why we are a sparkle above the rest. Please join our Facebook page to learn more about us at Diamond Cut Building Maintenance. What's up, y'all? This is Rev Rob, and I'm inviting you to join us live for our weekly online services every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Pacific. All you have to do is log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church, and it'll take you directly to the live worship session. Now, if you get there a bit early before service is started, stay and enjoy the fellowship with us and others through the chat system. You can even participate live and chat with our hosts during and throughout the service, as well as take notes and follow along in the Bible section we have available. And you can request prayer or even join Benevolent Faith Ministries itself. Remember, you can log on at benevolentfaithministries.online.church every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, and we can't wait for you to worship with us. Hey, welcome back to Deeper in the Word. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook. Just search for at Benevolent Faith Ministries in that search box and like our page to support us. And uh, don't forget, you can join us every Monday morning at 7 a.m. Eastern during our live prayer call line. And if you can't make the live call, you can call the prayer playback line, which is 24 hours a day, seven days a week, in order to hear what you may have missed. Amen? Friends, in today's episode, The Separated Ones... We've been discussing what it means for the followers of Christ to live, think, and act differently. That is, to be separated from the rest of the world. And in this final segment, we want to discuss the specifics regarding how we, as followers of Christ, as his church body, should be marking ourselves as separated ones, or rather, as those who are distinct from the rest of the world. And if we want a biblical example of a body of believers or a church who didn't actively try to separate themselves from the world around them and the admonishment that they faced as a result of their pursuit of worldliness, we don't need to look any further than the church in Corinth because the Apostle Paul makes it pretty clear for us in his letters to that church about how and why separation from the world is both necessary and possible for them and by extension for us. Note what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? See, Paul was making it clear to the Corinthian church that the main reason for their lack of hospitality towards him was because of their close, chummy, and inappropriate association with unbelievers. And that's because the trait of separation was sorely lacking in Corinth. Of all the churches mentioned in the New Testament, The church in Corinth was undoubtedly the most worldly. And the people of the church in Corinth were so worldly 
because the city itself was so ridiculously wicked. In fact, the city of Corinth was so trifling, so vile and despicable, that to be called a Corinthian meant that you were a person of low moral standards. It was an insult. <laughs> and the evil of that society had penetrated the church. And things had gotten so bad in Corinth that there was little distinction between them and the world around them. The people in the church were acting exactly like the people outside the church. And in the verses we just read, Paul is telling the people of, of the Corinthian church everything they needed to know to remain separate in a connected world. And I think we need some context here. The people of Corinth had come to Christ out of idolatry. And you can read all about that in 1 Thessalonians. Before they followed Christ, they used to worship idols. But the problem is that they didn't make a clean break from that idolatry. See, high above the city of Corinth was an Acropolis, which was a citadel or a temple sitting on top of a huge mountain and it was dedicated to false gods and it engaged in pagan ritual and worship and priestess prostitution. Huh. And not only was this temple the center of that religion, but its practices and procedures and beliefs spread out from the temple and down into and throughout the entire culture of Corinth. It was a part of everything in life, their holidays, their festivals, all of their celebrations, all of that stuff. And so it was a constant pull on the Corinthians to fall back into those old patterns of pagan worship. And they did. So even after accepting Christ, they had been wooed back into the old idolatry life, back into the old pagan culture, because it was so pervasive and so dominant and it was so often on display and so heavily woven into the fabric of their personal lives and their family lives and their social lives and the life of the community. And if that wasn't bad enough, false teachers also came in and brought a crazy, weird mixture of Christianity, Judaism, and pagan religion into the equation. And they melded it all together and they offered it as truth. And that compromise had found its way into the Corinthian church and it had found an audience. So some of the church members were listening and believing and accepting it. See, the false teachers wanted to make Christianity more popular and less demanding and less distinct and less narrow and less offensive and not as different from everything else and less exclusive so that they can get more people in on it. And so that they can get more money, which is always what false teachers want. That's always an underlying goal of theirs. And so here's the church, the Corinthian church. It's all new and fresh, and it's being assaulted by pagan religion all around it. You literally couldn't separate the social life from the religion. So when you consider the paganism and the false teachers, you can begin to understand why Paul says to them, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And that's where the lesson for us today comes in. Because much of modern Christianity today 
is similar to what those false teachers were trying to do. Too many churches and pastors today try to blend Christianity with popular culture in order to make it more popular and less different and more acceptable and less offensive and less narrow and less exclusive. In other words, they fail to keep the church separated from the world and in fact embrace intermingling with the world. And the result of it is that true Christianity and the purity of God's word gets corrupted by compromise and the church can become useless and shameful and blasphemous in mocking the truth. Say to God, when it comes to following Christ, there can be no compromise. And when it comes to compromise, there's arguably no area where this influence is most felt than in the way that we think. For most people, especially followers of Christ, their mind acts as a portal for worldliness. Think about it. What we allow to enter our minds will determine the decisions we make. The music you listen to, the TV shows and the movies you watch, all of these things have a profound effect upon your mind, upon your thought processes and your actions resulting from those thought processes. I mean, let's face it, the world's music is enticing. Music is spiritual in nature. It is the universal language of the human spirit. And the music of the world syncs with our old natures. And almost nothing keeps a born-again believer in the flesh more than listening to the world's music. And when we talk about walking in the flesh, the flesh is the gateway for any kind of sin. It opens us up to a sinful nature, the flesh, and it feeds that sinful nature. So whether it's movies or music or these trifling behind TV shows that people choose to follow weekly, it doesn't matter if we happen to like that stuff. But what does matter is doing what's right rather than doing what we want, because that is the essence of the believer's character. So. What am I saying? I'm saying it comes down to making a choice. Are we going to be more like the world or less like it? Saying to God, separation has never been popular. The command of 1 Peter 1.16 still remains. Be holy because I am holy. But we can't do that if we don't separate from the world and from its influences. The world's allure is tempting. But again, we just read before, earlier, Romans 12, 2, which directs us not to be, quote, conformed to this world. So the basic principle of separation from the world invokes the question, with who, or whom, I should say, do you want to identify? And if you claim to follow Christ, you need to make sure that you know the answer to that for yourself so that you can truly designate yourself as one of the separated ones. Amen? Listen, thanks for joining us. Don't forget, you can subscribe and listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, on Apple Podcasts, in the iTunes Store, and on iHeartRadio. Also, don't forget, you can find us on the web at benevolentfaithministries.org 
Log on now and learn more about our giving partnerships and how you can be the church without any need for a building. And don't forget to log on this and every Tuesday night and Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays, and check your local listings, if you will, on Wednesdays for our international service for our online church services. Just go to benevolentfaithministries.online.church and we'll catch y'all next time. Holla.